Well, good day to you, Cornerstone. We, uh, we're, we're glad that, uh, glad that you're here today. Um, We've uh, been flying back and forth. I, I feel obligated with, with uh, Tiffany coming to us from Nashville via Hawaii, and she has the whole aloha thing going on that you kind of want to get in on that. You know, you're cooler if your state has its own greeting. Um, we don't have that here. It's like, hey, heat stroke or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Dust storm. Um, not, not quite as cool, but aloha. I mean, that, that's, that's cool. Our lives are like a leaky cup. Let, let me explain. If this is like your life, what I kind of threw out there this morning for you to consider is that uh, without Jesus, our lives are a lot like a, a leaky cup. We're, we're filled up, and uh, at some moment in life, you first taste the, the sting of sin. It punctures you, and it's not long before you've got several punctures. And really, when you hit this moment where sin begins to take its toll on your life, you've really only got a couple options, and that's just to start like plugging the holes. But over time, that just can be pretty exhausting, because uh, the reality is it doesn't take very long before you've got more holes in your life than you can, you can plug. And when they're coming at all these different angles, those moments hit. And I mean, the best thing that you can do is just kind of begin to wrap your, your life around these, these issues that are leaking out all over the place. And this is exhausting. And you realize pretty soon that in your own strength, your own effort, your own resources, you don't have what it takes to control the sin in your life. But this is why the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done is that much more important. Because knowing that we couldn't, in our own effort, our own resources, our own strength, ever put a stop to the leakiness of sin, God sends his son Jesus to put a stopper in it, to really envelop us as a whole that the plan was just not little more fingers in the holes, but to give us the person of Jesus Christ to literally swallow up sin, swallow up death, swallow up all of this temptation and all of these problems. And it's by his effort and his strength that that makes it possible that now, as he pours himself into you, you your life is able to hold, hold water. And you can get to the point, now this is flowing through to the, where you're just overflowing now, the love of Jesus, overflowing. It's not leaking out of the places that you want. You're literally like covered in who, who Jesus is and what he's done. It's a whole different perspective. He doesn't really want you staying in this stage of life. He wants you stepping into this relationship with Jesus where it's allowed to swallow up all of this issue of sin. And then your job as a believer, really, is just to find yourself seated down in the person of Jesus Christ. I watched Albert's message online last week. It was phenomenal. And I love that story at the beginning of the little kid that gets in trouble and he gets forced, he gets punished by, you know, you got to go sit down. And he says, well, I might be sitting down on the, ins uh, on the outside, but I'm, I'm standing up on the inside. Because that's so much of us. 
that tension that we feel of, of really just wanting to still stay standing. When the heartbeat of God is for us to settle down deep into the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 5, where, where Albert was at last week, all the way up to chapter 10, where we're going to be at today, actually walks us through that principle that really what, what happened was in the Old Testament days, priests were constantly having to make sacrifices on behalf of the people because of their sin. Everybody's leaking out all over the place because of their sin. And in what religion provided was basically just a bunch of plugging the holes. And while that served some purpose, the reality was that it was just a foretaste. It was a shadow of what was to come. What religion or human effort could provide on a little bit of basis, only Jesus was able to put a stop in for, for all time so that we don't have to go around relying on these old systems and just religion and sacrifice and human effort. In fact, we're not supposed to. But our job is just to settle into Jesus Christ. He's the new high priest. And we don't have to rush around doing these exhausting practices to be right between us and God anymore. Jesus has taken care of that, and we just need to settle down into who he is and what he's done. The author of Hebrews, again, writing to a, an audience that was primarily a bunch of Jewish people, who had converted to Christianity from Judaism. But over a period of time, find themselves drifting back to the old ways, going back out of a relationship with Jesus and wanting to drift back into their own effort and into old religion, just man-made things. And he's just going, no, that, that, that's not the plan. You can't belittle who Jesus is and what he's done. It's going to wipe you out. You'll never have enough fingers to plug all the holes that sin creates. There's no religion that can cover that. But Jesus, on the other hand, you elevate your view of who Jesus is and what he's done, and you just settle down into that. And it's going to change the way that you walk with him. Today, we're talking about going the distance. We're talking about persevering in your walk with Jesus. We're talking about persevering in your walk, not just through the end of the week, but through the end of your life. What does that look like to walk with Jesus for your whole lifetime? As these, as these new believers were getting tempted to just kind of bail on their relationship with Jesus and go back to religion, to bail on their relationship with Jesus and kind of fuse Judaism and Christianity, make their own new thing. This author of Hebrews is saying, you've got an ability to really walk with God for your entire life, but it doesn't boil down. Your ability to walk with God for your whole life does not boil down to your effort and your strength. It boils down to settling in to the person of Jesus. It boils down to finding yourself inside his cup. That's the only answer. In other words, here's, here's kind of what I'm throwing out there for you to consider. That really, truly, your ability to go the distance, to persevere in your faith over the long haul, 
has more to do with dying than trying. I believe that for you to go the distance in your walk with Jesus, it's more about dying to yourself than trying to live the Christian life. We gotta come around a phrase here this morning. On the count of three, I want everybody in here out loud to say the words, I can't. Are you ready? This is good for us, okay? On the count of three, I can't. One, two, three. I can't. Yes, I love you. I can't. That's a good phrase. We gotta get a little bit more used to that. Most of us don't like to say I can't. I can is what we prefer. I can do this, I can avoid that, I can be all God wants me to be, I I can go change the world, I can whatever. You can't even read your Bible for five minutes a day. (laughs) Right, if you're like me, I mean some of you are awesome at it, but, but you go long enough and you're finding out more often than not what you can't do as a follower of Jesus than what you can. I can't. I can't is very, very important. I'll explain why by the end of the message. But there's probably a more important phrase that we should learn. And that is, he can. On the count of three, everybody say, he can. One, two, three. He can. Awesome. Because on one hand, I can't. That gets us to a moment of just admitting, like, we, we can't do it. More holes in our life than our fingers can plug. But he can That's good news. If it stays just as he can't, then we're bleeding out over the place. We're leaking all over the place. No hope whatsoever. But if we add he can, now we got something going on. Because now we're swallowed up in one one who can pull this off. I can't is saying, I'm going to die to myself. I can says, I'm going to try to do this. And then you'll get long enough down the road and you'll be either wiped out or, or you'll just fail and you'll want to give up. That's the cycle that we find ourselves in, right? And so in light of who Jesus is and what he's already done and what his spirit wants to continue to do in filling us up, here we go. Here, here's what going the distance looks like. Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're at. And verse 19 is where we land. The opening verses of 10 really just summarize this this illustration of the leaky cup. The old sacrificial system is dead. Jesus took care of all of it. He's prepared a way for us to connect with God. He swallowed up sin and death and provided this relationship with us. We settle into that and we've got a whole lot of confidence. And Hebrews chapter 10, right at verse 19, is where we dive in. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God Settle in to him with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. It's not you and I that's faithful, right? If we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with other people, I'm not the faithful one. It's he that's faithful. 
And that's what lets everything else be possible. I'm fully aware of what I can't do. But I'm growing to know more and more what he can do when I allow it. And so for us to come around this I can't, he can thing, for us to die instead of try, this is crucial. This is so important. It puts more of the work and the effort and this, the view on Jesus, not on us. He's the one who's faithful. If you've ever had a faithful moment in anything to God in your life, it wasn't because of you. It was because the Spirit of God was inside of you, allowing you to be faithful. And so even on our best day, it's still, praise be to God, thanks be to God, because of God, because of the work of the Spirit of God in you and in me. And then it goes on in verse 24. There's a little bit of a turn here, verse 24, and he says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, if you're taking notes or you're taking mental notes, you might want to jot this thought down. That, that I believe just a quick summary of this is that going the distance, persevering in your faith, is a Jesus effort and a community effort, not necessarily a you alone effort. Most of us, because we come from a very can-do, I-can culture and society and background, we come into Christianity the same way and make, make it a, a you-alone effort. But going the long haul, being able to persevere in your faith under your own strength and your own power, I can tell you how that's going to turn out. But it needs to be first and foremost a Jesus effort, not, not a you-alone effort. It's, it's like this. We, we've talked about this a long, long time ago. But it's like this is your life. Nobody likes to have an empty life. And so that's why temptation that leads to sin is so attractive, because it's a quick fix, easy way to begin to fill up your life. And you pick your sin, your, your struggle, whatever it is, and you pour that into your life, you, you drink of that, and it starts to fill you up. And you're like, okay, this is good, at least I don't feel the way I felt before, I don't feel empty anymore. But it doesn't take long to realize that you've begun to fill yourself with things that aren't healthy, that they're actually destructive, they're dark, they're corrosive to your very soul. And you don't want to leave those there. But of your own device and your own effort, what we normally start out doing is wrestling with sin on our own. And we're like, well, I don't want it in there. So you start doing stuff to eliminate it and remove it from your life. And whatever it is, you avoid it. You stop going to that place or hanging with that person or doing that thing. And over time, you, you've, you've disconnected from it, which in and of itself is okay. But you're back left with an empty life again, right? Which is also why it makes it so easy then to just go back to it again. And we dive right back into this cycle of of I, I sin because I feel empty and I don't want to feel that way anymore, and you start 
going back to uh, please forgive me and I'm going to stop that and you do and over and over again you're just back and forth there in this continual cycle of emptying out and then filling back up with all the wrong unhealthy sorts of things. That's what it looks like if going the distance for you is, is trouble. If persevering in your faith is difficult it might be because you're centering more on your own effort than Jesus's effort. But if you lean into who Jesus is and settle into who he is and, and let him settle into you, we've been talking about this for several weeks now, it's more like this, you don't even need to worry about the stuff that's in there. This isn't about you trying to get rid of it, it's just about dying to yourself and connecting yourself with him, letting him pour himself, his living water into you. And as he pours his spirit into you, his truth into you, his mercy into you, as you read his word, as you pray, as you worship, as you connect with other believers, he floods himself into you. And it just displaces all of the sin, all of the struggle. And now you're not left with an empty life. You're left with a full cup that's full with the power and the truth and the love of Jesus. This is recognizing that, that going the distance, the long haul, persevering in the faith is a Jesus effort. It's not a you alone effort. He's going to continue. His desire is to fill you. And now because you're full, your desire to fill it with empty, hollow, corrosive things is actually less because you're overflowing with the Spirit of God. But if you're like me, you go through a given week and uh, you pour yourself out into a number of situations. It may be family, it may be friends, it might be work, um, it might be sin temptation stuff that just kind of is like a withdrawal from your spiritual bank. It might be a ministry that you're involved in, you're doing amazing things for the kingdom and that can be draining. But I believe that that's why it comes back to here. It's not just a going the distance, isn't just a Jesus effort, but it's also a community effort. Because now, the Spirit of God that's alive in other believers, when you come to this place on a Sunday, the opportunity is, if you're open to it, for God to pour himself into others through you. And so now that pouring in may come through somebody sitting to your left or your right or in a class that you're in or a small group that you're in throughout the week. It might be somebody before or after you. It might be somebody in the lobby as you were coming in or in the parking lot as you're going out. That going the distance, walking well with Jesus for the long haul of your life starts with a Jesus effort, but it has to be a community effort too because we don't have the strength. We need each other to encourage each other. We need each other when we're, we're just dry to have the words of Jesus get poured into us. That means a paradigm shift. That means a, sh a, a shift in your thinking when you come in here, even on a weekend service. That it's not just, what can I get today? But maybe, what could I give today, Lord? You, you know I'm dry. You know I'm, I'm maybe half full right now. But Jesus, who's going to be sitting a couple rows from me that, that I need to give to? There's somebody else in here that's got a, got a half-empty cup too. And Lord, would you grant me the privilege and the honor of just being able to fill somebody else's cup? That would be an amazing thing.
And imagine, if everybody came in here with that mindset, you wouldn't have to worry about filling up your own cup. Because before you even got in here to sit down and much less listen to the sermon, you'd be overflowing with the love and the truth and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And it would just be like, like water on a dry sponge when you came in here. We can go be that sort of church. We can. It starts with recognizing that going the distance and persevering is a Jesus effort and a community effort, not a you alone effort. If you skip down to verse 32, the author of Hebrews knew that early in the faith of these believers, some rough stuff had happened. That as they had moved from Judaism to step out to follow Jesus, it actually cost them something. Because in their day and age, in their culture, to proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior meant you could lose your, your material possessions, you, you could lose freedom, you could even lose your life. And so to make that profession, they had gone through some incredibly rough things and then survived. And so he just wants them to remember. He wants them to remember what, what they've already gone through and come out the other side of successfully. And so in verse 32, he says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. In other words, if you're jotting stuff down, I think this is just a great reminder that going the distance is about remembering God was doing more than you could see back then, and he's doing more than you can see right now. Going the distance, persevering in your faith, has so much more to do with remembering God brought you through stuff in the past. Do you remember it? And you may be going through something difficult right now, but it's important to remember that even now, He's doing more than you can see in this very moment. And that hope of a future, that hope of what he's going to do, man, that just gives such a wonderful picture. It gives us an ability to persevere and press on because we remember when you were faithful in the past. Some of you have been through awful stuff in the last couple of weeks or months or whatever. Oh, man, you, you know the depth of horror that you, you, you survived. But, but like you're here. You're still here. If you're listening to me to talk right now, you're, you're still here. You, you're, you're listening and that meant God preserved you through it. You might have taken some hits. Your heart might have been hurt. You still may not know which, which end is up or, or what the future is gonna look like. But God's brought you through. He's going to bring you through again. Don't forget that. And right now, in this moment, you, you may be headed into something that's really difficult. You may not understand the circumstances that you're in right here in present day, but he's doing more than you can see or understand even now. 
He's always orchestrating things to chisel off areas on your own life, to sanctify you, to grow you, to move you, to use you. It's no different right now in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. A lot of you know I lost my dad. I was 28 years old. He was only 48 and had a sudden heart attack and was gone. And it just wrecked me. Um, I got really angry, filled with a lot of doubt, a lot of frustration. I didn't want much to do with God. I, I figured, man, that, that's, that's the moment where I, I realized God doesn't know what he's doing. And so I better take control back over. I better remove myself from his cup. This is not, this is not good. A couple uh, weeks after I lost my dad, um, I was a pastor at the time, and we were going up to Hume Lake, taking some students up there, high school students, and I didn't want to go, because I was so empty, so tired, so exhausted, so frustrated. I didn't think I had what it took to connect with God myself, much less like lead other students in their journey to connecting with, with Jesus. And we get up there, and... Uh, the first night there, I go into the bathroom and uh, brushing my teeth, and there's a kid brushing his teeth next to me. And I noticed him, he stood out because he had crazy hair. He had hair, it was like Brian's, actually. <laughs> and he kind of had the Woody Woodpecker thing going on and went up over the eye, and I'm like, that's pretty sweet, dude. The other thing that caught my eye was that he had, um, well, he was wearing girl pants, um, if I'm honest. They were the kind that looked like they'd been spray painted on. And uh, I, I saw, and I'll refer to him from this point on as, as girl pants. And so um, I'm just brushing my teeth and uh, I, I recognize them, but I don't say anything or, or whatever. The next morning, I go back into the bathroom and uh, shower and, and get dressed and then I come out and go, and now I'm brushing my teeth again. And I look over and who is, it's girl pants. Again, he's, he's here one more time. And so I'm like, well, that's, that's a coincidence. That's pretty weird. I still don't say anything because he's not my group. I don't know him. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I go through the day, we had recreation and games and all that stuff. We got super muddy that day, so I had to take a shower during free time. So it's later that same afternoon, I go back in, take a shower, get dressed, come out. I'm standing there and just kind of, you know, doing my hair or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and the, the shower opens and this kid comes out and, he, and he's, it's, the, it's girl pants, third time less than 24 hours. And I'm like, dude, do you live in here? Are you sleeping in the bathroom? What's, what's going on? Now, in the back of my mind, I'm starting to think, maybe God wants me to connect with him. This will happen a lot. Somebody will walk by or whatever, and I'll get this kind of tug on my heart, and the Lord's just kind of going, I need you to talk to him, or I need you to pray, or just ask how they're doing, or whatever. Um, if I'm in a, my best day, I'll, I'll do it. But a lot of times, I just, just ignore it. And uh, I was so wiped out. I'm like, God, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want anything to do with him. This is just, you know, no way. You know, and he's got girl pants, and it's just no, it's no good. And um, so I, 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 I go through that, that evening. That night at dinner, he's a few people down at the table that I'm at. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. And I go, okay, I'm, I'm done with fighting so God, here's what I'm going to do. If I bump into him tomorrow, one more time, then maybe I'll talk to him. If, if you can get him out of those pants, which is nearly impossible, <laughs> then maybe I'll talk to him. 
I'm banking on the fact that there's 1,200 other high schoolers at this camp, and the odds of me bumping into them, especially after bumping into them all those times in 24 hours, not likely. The next morning, I wake up, I go to the bathroom, girl pants right next to me yet again. Okay. So I just turned to him and I said, hey, man, um, I'm assuming your name isn't girl pants. You know, what, what is it? And he said, it's Mark. And I, I said, oh, this is kind of weird. I'm just, just wondering, like, if there's anything I could be praying for, we keep bumping into each other. And I just wanted to say hey, and we introduced each other and just kind of chatted for a minute. And I said, is there anything I could be praying for? Anything that you need? And uh, his eyes just kind of welled up with tears. And um, he said, it's crazy because, um, ooh, man, you just, you just asked. Like, my grandfather just passed away a couple of weeks ago. He was my best friend. He's been living with us for a while, and I just lost him. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it turned out that he had actually passed away the same day that my dad had passed away. And all of a sudden, it was crystal clear why we kept connecting, why we kept crossing paths. And we stopped right there in the bathroom, and we, we prayed and talked for a little bit more. And I kept bumping into him the rest of the week, and... That was eight years ago, and we're still friends, we still talk, and, um, and yet God chose to encourage both of us in the most unlikely of circumstances, in the unlikely of ways. He was doing more than we could see at that given moment. I can't count how many times I've gone back to that as just a memory of, hey, God's always doing more than I can see, and I wouldn't choose certain things or want certain things or whatever, but he's still working, he's still moving, that skin cancer stuff on my face earlier this year, I'm like, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want it at all. But God, I'm going to trust that you're doing more than I can see right now. My grandfather passed away earlier this year. He was my best friend and just my biggest hero. Lost him and going, I, I'm going to trust God that you're doing more than I can see right now. I, I trust you. I'm depending on you. I'm going to put my faith and hope in you even though I don't get it. W what's he doing right now? What could he do? with the stuff that you're going through right now. He could do an awful lot if you let him, if you persevere, if you keep moving, if you go the distance. He wraps it up in verse 35 through 39 here. In light of all of this, he just says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And then verse 39, one of my favorite verses. This deserves like a right on or an amen or like applause in huge doses when this is done. And we're read here. This is good. This is very good. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. That is such good news. We, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are settled in to this almighty God. So therefore, we're not the ones that shrink back and we're, we're, we're destroyed. We are found in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're jotting stuff down, 
If you're taking mental notes, I think that going the distance is about having more faith in his will than your will. You really want to go the distance, you really want to persevere, then it's about having more faith in his will and submitting to that than your will. Our will is so strong and so locked and loaded. I think if it were up to us, on most days we just opt for our will, our heart, our mind on any given situation. But that's going to work against you and I going the distance, keeping the faith for a lifetime. I was so frustrated losing my dad a couple of months after the Hume Lake experience. I'm driving down a road. I'm having a conversation with God, which was a lot more like an argument. I was trying to be reverent, but I I was still just, I was so frustrated. And I just kind of wanted to disconnect. I didn't want to be with him. I didn't want to hear from him. And so I turn on the radio wanting to hear anything but a Christian radio station. And I turn it on, the first thing that comes on, Christian radio, ick. And so I press a button, and it's a preset to the next one, which I know is not a Christian station, but I press it, and more Christian music comes on. I'm like, this is weird, because I know we've only got one Christian station in our town, and suddenly two have popped up, coincidentally. I think it's weird, but it's also annoying. And so I press again, scan, seek, whatever, get off the Christian stuff, and it goes to another Christian station. This is not good. So I'm like, stop it. AM. AM is the place to be. I hit AM, and it's a talk station. And two guys start talking, and one of them goes, hey, I'm at the absolute end of my rope. Do you think God can help me? And I'm looking at the radio going, are you serious? And then the other guy on the radio goes, nope. And I'm thinking, what? The guy said he's at the end of his rope and God can't help him and you say nope? I mean, what, what's up with that? Isn't that what God does? I'm having an argument now with my stereo. People are driving by going, there's something wrong with that dude in there. And I finished my little rant, and then the guy said the same thing I just said. He goes, wait a minute, I'm at the absolute end of my rope, and God can't help me? And the other guy goes, no. God helps people who have already let go of the rope. God helps free-falling people. And the tears started flooding so hard and so strong that I had to pull my car over. Because I had realized that while I had given God a lot of the rope of my life, I was still holding on strongly, I might add, to the last piece. My will, my desires, my hopes, they still were not fully surrendered. I hadn't fully let go. And I was still making every effort, at least in some areas, to have control, and it was exhausting. And there as I pulled over, and tears are coming down, I didn't know what to say anymore, I didn't know what to do anymore, and so I just said, God, I can't do this. I can't be a pastor anymore, I can't avoid sin and temptation, I can't follow you, I I can't allow other students to follow you, I I can't do the right stuff and avoid the wrong stuff, I I can't live the Christian life, I can't. And when I said that, 
not in an audible voice, but you know what I think I heard God say? I think I heard God go, thank you. I think I heard God go, finally. That's what I've been waiting for the whole time. I love hearing those words, I can't. But in the most deafening tone to my very soul, he followed it up with the words, I can. I know you can't, but I can. In the sovereign will of God, the sovereign purposes of God, the sovereign power of God, God knew that you and I could not live the Christian life under our own strength and effort. And so in his wisdom and his plan and his power, he puts the one who can live it inside the one who can't. That's beautiful. That's restful. That's the truth of what it means to go the distance, to persevere. It's about recognizing that it's a Jesus effort and a community effort, not a you alone effort. It's about recognizing that when you're ready to give up, he's always doing more than you can see. And that if you really want to stick it out, if you really want to go the distance, it's about settling into the person of Jesus and just giving up your will, recognizing and knowing that you got to have more faith in his will than your own will. Because you settle into that. And that's when your life starts to hold water for the long haul. Not just this week, but for your whole life. In the name of the Almighty God, let go of the rope and settle in to the person of Jesus. And learn how to do that every single day. It's learning what it looks like to let go of the rope and settle in to the body and the blood, and the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. And so, Father, today, today, Lord, we, we thank you for your Son and what he's done. Our heart's desire is not just to be a flash in the pan for you, it's not just to walk with you for the short term, but for the long haul. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have stumbling moments. It doesn't mean that we're going to be sinless. But it means that we trust that you have swallowed up all that sin. And that we just sit in you in the midst of it. And we're not going to remove ourselves from you. We're going to recognize that you're doing more than what we can see right now. That we need the community of believers around us to pour into us. Father, would you allow us just to start to learn what it looks like to breathe well? That we would exhale. Just, I can't fight off that temptation. I can't go do what you've called me to do, but then to breathe in with a huge deep breath 
you can. To breathe out, I can't. But to breathe in, you can. And that God walking with you would become as second nature as breathing is to us. And fathers, we've got the opportunity in what might be a desert season for us right now where we feel empty and dry that we would breathe you in right now. And that, Father, you would not delay to fill us up as we inhale all that you have got for us, that we might be found settled into you a year from now, 10 years from now, a lifetime from now.